Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Um, This morning, we're going to jump into a new series. We're going to take the next four weeks and we're going to look at... uh, uh, the, the series that I'm going to call Dangerous Dealings. It's dealing with things that uh, really all of us deal with. They're inevitable. But it can be dangerous to get stuck or to stay uh, involved in those things. And today we're going to look at discouragement. How many of you have ever experienced discouragement? All right, how many of you are lying if you didn't raise your hand, right? All of us at some point have, have experienced discouragement. And uh, my hope for you today is if you are discouraged today, I hope that you leave encouraged. Um, before we kind of unravel, you know, some of the scriptures, we look at some of these concepts, that our heart is, is that you, you go from where you are to where God wants you to be. Um, but anything that's dangerous, how many of you know when we're around something dangerous, we usually proceed with caution or we're careful? Um, and we have to understand that when we stay in a position that is dangerous, it can drastically change uh, the quality of our life. So when we talk about the, the realm of discouragement, if we stay discouraged, uh, it will really overwhelm our lives. It'll, it'll, it'll cause us to stay at a place of really being stuck Um, So God's heart is not that we stay there, but we move on from there to what's next. Now, just because we're not discouraged today does not mean we won't be discouraged later, okay? I really believe that discouragement is a a seasonal thing. It's something that comes and goes. But nonetheless, when we are discouraged, we want to know how do we navigate through that discouragement. Joshua 1.9, it says, "'Be strong and courageous.'" Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, okay? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So let me tell you about a time that I was uh, discouraged. You know, I remember when we um, transitioned out of doing full-time missions and I started looking for work. Um, you know, a lot of times we think it's easy to find work. Sometimes it's not easy to find work, right? There's situations, there's setbacks, um, there's not having the right skill set. There can be many things that, that maybe prevent us from finding work. But I remember coming back and um, <laughs> the first job that I found was working at Tractor Supply. Now, how many of you have ever worked retail? How many of you are glad when you no longer work retail? It is one of the most challenging jobs you will ever do. If you don't believe me, go do it for a little while. Work seasonal holiday something, and you'll come back and be like, you are absolutely right. Um, you know, retail, it's, it's one of those things that you love it or you hate it. You got to love people. You got to love change. Uh, any of you that ever worked retail ever did the planograms where you're redoing the wall? Pulling the merchandise, putting up new merchandise. Whoever invented them, I hate that guy. It is so much work, but it's, it's, it's a way of marketing, of changing things up. Um, so I was working at Tractor Supply, and while I was working there, I was looking for a, for a better job. I was looking for different work, and um, so I went and applied at Phillips for operations. I took the test, and I got down to the last eight. Now, as I was sitting in that room with all of the other guys, I heard all of their um, resumes. All of those guys had worked at other plants. And I had never worked at any plants and didn't have, that wasn't my background. You know, uh, background was ministry, doing a lot of those things, which it's really hard because ministry background doesn't equate to job experience in the real world. I'm like, 
Have you ever done ministry? Like, I'm sure I could run instruments and stuff like that. It's probably easier than people business. But nonetheless, I, I, I got down to the last eight, and they went with the ones that had more experience. Now, talk about discouragement, because what that meant, I got to stay at Tractor Supply. You heard that. I got to stay, right? So then, I, then, then the next job that I tried to apply for was uh, nuclear security. They paid really well. I looked at what they were making. I was like, man, that would be awesome. So the, the first time that the opportunity to apply for that job came up, I got summoned for jury duty on the same day of the testing. So I was serious enough about finding other work that I went and talked to the judge to see if I could get any excuse to take that test. He denied the request. So I got to stay at Tractor Supply for a whole nother year until testing again. Then I tested, got hired on, stayed there seven and a half years. So talk about discouragement. You know, now in amongst working at Tractor Supply, there was opportunities to be discouraged, but how I survived was keeping myself encouraged. Looking at, you know, Lord, I said, Lord, thank you that I have a job, that I'm making money. I know a lot of people... Um, they, they say, I can't find work anywhere. No, you can't. It's not that you can't find work anywhere. You're just not willing to work anywhere. 100%. You can work at a whole lot of places. You may not want to work there, but not finding work is definitely not what's not out there. I mean, there's, there's a million and a half places you can work, but we choose not to work at those places. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, to be honest, it was challenging. It was difficult. And in amongst that setback of that discouragement, I had to say, Lord, what are you doing in amongst all of this? Um, you know, there was plenty of things that I learned. Um, but not getting those two jobs, I was discouraged. I was frustrated. I was irritated. Um, but I had to find that place of being content with where I'm at. So what is the definition of discouragement? It's a loss of confidence or enthusiasm it is uh, dispiritedness. Like, so you have no drive, you have no motivation. You wake up in the morning, you're like, dear God, what is going on? Why do I even exist? You know, like, you ever had one of the moments? If you're there, I hope you don't stay there after this message, right? That you, that you leave with some rekindled hope in, in your heart. But um, all of us have went through a, a season of discouragement. Maybe you're there, maybe you're not, but being braced. Uh, so if you experience it, you'll know how to get out of it. But each of us have dealt with discouragement one time or another, but it can be dangerous to our health and our emotional state if we stay there. If we stay discouraged and we don't get out of it. Um, there's a quote by Max Licato. I want to read it to you. It says, when God doesn't do what we want, it's not easy. It never has been and it, will never, and, and it, it never will be. Faith is the conviction that God knows more than us and he'll get us through. Disappointment is created, is caused by unmet expectations, and it is cured by revamped expectations. Don't panic. Don't give up. Be patient. God is in control. It ain't over till it's over. We have to understand that God is in the equation of us experiencing this, this discouragement. Psalms 42, 5 through 6 in the New Living Translation. We're going to kind of use this as some of the framework for some of the things we're going to talk about this morning. But verse 5, it says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. 
So when we look at that passage, you know, that's the raw reality. I'm discouraged. Why is my heart so sad? Um, and we understand that disappointment can quickly lead to being strongly discouraged, discouragement. So we're going to look this morning at five ways that you can kind of deal with being discouraged to help you get from, from getting out of that discouragement and not say, staying stuck in that discouragement. So when you're disappointed, here's the first thing that you want to do. First and foremost, you want to look inward. You want to ask yourself the question, what is causing my discouragement? Why is my heart so sad? And you have to be real with yourself. You have to look inside. You have to say, why am I frustrated? Why am I irritated? What is going on? So a good way to respond to this question is saying, well, how do I really feel in the moment? How do I feel right now? Am I content? Am I frustrated? Am I stressed? Am I overwhelmed? Am I discouraged? Am I okay? You know, now guys, I know that's hard for us, you know, to, to tap into those emotions of what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something, right? You know, it's kind of how it comes out. My wife's been giving me a real hard time lately because she'll ask me a question and I'm thinking about the question, but I'll answer the question in broken up speech. Like I'll say half of it, but then I'm thinking about something and she looks at me, she says, you're not even saying a whole sentence. Well, I'm processing, baby. I'm trying to figure it out. And then I got to make sure I use a complete sentence. And then she's like, okay, well, now you finished your sentence so she can respond, right? So for guys, it's sometimes hard to tap into like communicating, but it's even harder sometimes to communicate how we feel or what we're doing. And um, we just kind of stuff it down. We kind of just deal with it. And um, it is what it is, right? You know, we don't really look deep down into what is, what am I really feeling? Why do I feel discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? But here's something you have to understand today that you can't deal with what you don't acknowledge. If you don't acknowledge it and you, or, you know, maybe, you know, you just kind of like mentally like pretend like it's okay. Oh, I'm doing great. And you know you're not. Oh, man, life couldn't be better, but your world's falling apart. Like a lot of times we say what is contrary to the true reality of what we're experiencing or what we're going through. But if we can't acknowledge it and we can't identify it and we can't actually say it, it's going to be really hard for us to begin to deal with those things. So we have to deal with it. We have to communicate. We have to acknowledge it. So one of the biggest steps in dealing with the issues in our life is acknowledging I have a problem. Can we say, can we all say that? I have problems. I may not see it, but I have problems, right? We all have problems. You know, if you don't know your problems, ask your wife to show you your problems. Ask your husband to show you your problems and then hear it with grace, right? You know, like we, we all have problems. We all have issues. We all have things we're going through, but we need to, if, if we really have, if we're really experiencing discouragement, we need to ask these questions. We want to get to the root of why am I discouraged? Why am I upset? Why am I frustrated? So don't sugarcoat it or ignore it. You know, this often does not help, but it just delays getting better. Right? Oh, man, I'm just going to say positive things till positivity happens. Well, that, I mean, sometimes that works, but you have to get to the real reality of what's going on in your heart. What are you dealing with? What are you holding on to that you can't let go of? And as you begin to process that and deal with those things and you look inward, it kind of allows you to uproot whatever it is on the inside that you need to get rid of. Okay? Um, how many of you have ever been really, really sick and you refuse to go to the doctor? You ever done that? You're hard-headed. You're like, oh, I'm going to get better just one more day. I know I'll get better. And you don't get better. And then you call the doctor and the doctor knows exactly what to prescribe you. As soon as you start taking the antibiotics or the medicine and you're like, big dummy, why did I not call this guy sooner? 
You ever done that? And immediately, like, so like now it's like, hey, uh, I sneezed once, right? You know, you just, you, you almost call too quickly. But I think sometimes we're looking uh, to, 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 for it to just solve itself, but we need to prescribe what is going on. We need to identify what's going on and we need to get that help because if we just ignore it, if we avoid it, you know, we're going to continue to uh, just struggle. Um, being discouraged sometimes comes with a do- deeper rooted issue. So let God help you deal with what he reveals. Okay. So ask God, say, Lord, show me what's inside. Show me what I'm dealing with. And then understand what God reveals inside of you. He now wants to heal those things. God is not revealing things in your heart or how you're feeling or what you're going through to laugh at you and be like, ha ha, ha you human. Right, That's not what God is there for. He's going to show us those things so he can heal those things. He can work those things out in our life. And hopefully it's something that he just changes and removes and then we can live life to the fullest. That's what he wants for us. So as he reveals those things, that's the first step. But we got to look internally. we got to look inside. But pay attention to what it is that God reveals on the inside. Psalms 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, God. Know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So that's kind of like a pondering, a probing, a looking internally to the condition of our heart. But we have to understand that what's going to happen is you're going to see symptoms of what's deep rooted in you. Right? I may get frustrated, but because it, it's not because I'm frustrated, but maybe there's something else deep down that's causing me to be frustrated. Right? So we got to dig a little bit deeper. We got to look closer at the root problem because sometimes we'll only see those symptoms. So pay attention to what God reveals. Um, some examples can be pent up anger, envy, unforgiveness, pride, lust, and maybe just physical and mental fatigue. We are so tired. We are burning the candle at both ends and it's causing emotional breakdown. It's causing frustration, irritation. You ever, you ever had something that you were super stressed about and it was affecting every area of your life, right? It's just because we're dealing with those things and we're stuffing those things and maybe we're not dealing with those, but we need to look inwardly, okay? So be open what God reveals and then follow his leading. So number one, look inward. Number two, look upward. So what do I mean by that? That passage says that um, I, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again and again. So when I am looking upward, I am choosing to put my hope and my trust in God. It's, it's saying, Lord, I trust you. Psalms 141.8, it says, but my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. Look up to God uh, who, and, and, and when we look to God, it reveals our dependence and hope on him. Have you ever seen a child that falls down and gets hurt and they just sit there and they cry and then they, what do they do? They go like this. They just put their hands and they are just waiting. You know, and this is really the symbolism of dependence and mom or dad will come swooping in, you know, will come to their rescue, will grab a hold of them, pick them up and comfort them. But that posture is dependent and is showing the dependence on the parents. Just like our dependence should be upward. We should be looking to God. We should be outreached arms saying, Lord, help me. I'm hurting, it's difficult, it's challenging. Whatever you're going through that God wants to help those things, he wants to rescue those. So those outreach arms, it declares our dependence and our need of God. So instead of focusing on your discouragement, focus on the one who knows the way out. Keep your eyes on God, keep your eyes on him. My hope and my dependence is on you. 
Now, as a parent, there are times where we strive to teach our children to grow, to deal with pain, and realize, that, and realize that's a part of life. Now, it was great when mama was around. What happens when mama ain't around and I fall and I skin my knees, right? There are moments where I just kind of got to get up and I got to kind of <laughs> dust my knees off and get up. And what I believe when, that, when it's a season like that, what God is doing, he is growing you. He is, he is helping you realize that pain is a part of the process. Bumps, bruises, scrapes, scars, all of those things are a byproduct of living a life, right? Um, and I just think, you know, if you've never, you know, sometimes we're super conservative. Sometimes we try not to fall. We try not to get hurt, but it's inevitable. But I, I believe when it feels like maybe God is abandoning us in those moments, what he's really trying to do is grow us um, to be strong, to get up, to try again. And, and what do you do when you fall down? What do you do when you fall flat on your face um, and there's nobody around? You know, I remember, man, when I was younger, uh, I had got a new bike and I was riding down the road as fast as I could. You know, when you used to think like bikes were like motorcycles, go way back when it's super fun, going as fast as I could. And I remember looking around like, hey, I'm unstoppable. And then I look and there's this huge log in the road. If you've heard the story, sorry, you're going to hear it again. Man, I hit that joker at full speed. I fly over the handlebars. I catch the pavement between my knees and my elbows and my hands. I wasn't wearing no pads because that wasn't cool back then. I don't even know if we had pads back then. Not like we got them today. Like, hey, put on your helmet, put on. We were just, hey, rough and rowdy and it was what it was. But I remember flying over that thing and I was a few blocks from the house. I felt like that was one of those moments of growth where like visually I was all kinds of busted up. Mama wasn't nowhere around. Nobody even knew what happened. You know what I did? First I inspected myself, then I picked up that bike and I walked all the way home like this. Because I didn't want to bend my knees, I didn't want to bend my elbows. And sometimes we are spiritually growing through those hard times. But if you will be committed to get up and keep moving, those scars will heal, those wounds will heal, and we'll grow. But we'll realize that that hurt and that pain and going through those hard things is just a part of life. But what now, how, how dumb would it have been if I'd have just stayed laid out on the ground? I mean, I was probably a big, I bet I was a teenager, so I wasn't like a little kid. Like they'd have been like, full grown man, get up off the ground. What are you doing? I mean, you know, it's funny when you're little. It's not so funny when you're full grown, right? So, but we don't want to do that. We want to get up. We want to assess the wounds and we want to keep moving forward. But ask God, you know, for help in those things that we feel like we can't get up from. But there's going to be seasons that I believe God allows us to grow through those hard things. Um, tell you what, I started looking ahead of my path. I was riding that bike from now on. <laughs> We're going to make that same mistake. Um, but when you're dealing with discouragement, I want you to understand that discouragement is a season. It's not supposed to be a permanent condition. If you are living in continual seasons of discouragement, that is not healthy. That is not okay. God does not want you to stay in that position. But if you're stuck in discouragement for a long period of time and you can't get out, ask God for help. Now, sometimes we don't like the help we get, right? We ask God for help and then we're like, oh, Lord, I don't know about that. How many of you have ever got stuck in the sand and you had to phone a friend to get out? Now, I'll tell you what, that's happened to me. And before I try to call a friend, I try everything I can to get out, right? Because it's kind of that humble call, be like, hey, bro, <laughs> you're never going to guess what happened, right? That's kind of how the conversation always starts. Um, but nonetheless, they'll come, they'll rescue you, they'll pull you out. Because there are sometimes we get stuck and we can't get out without somebody else. 
And sometimes God will send somebody to encourage us, to help us, to lift up our head or to pull us out. And, you know, I always think about it. Hey, I'm getting pulled out this time. But you know what? Next time they may need me to pull them out. Right? It's a reciprocation of what this is how God does it. When we ask God to help and he sends a person, don't be like, no, God, I needed help. That was the help that he sent. So whatever, when we ask God for help, trust that he will send it and that he'll get you unstuck from where you're at. So get your hopes up and look up. So number one, we look inwardly. Number two, we look upwardly. Number three, remember God's past faithfulness. This is one thing that will always help a difficult season. Remember God's faithfulness. And I'll tell you what, when I was working at Track Supply, based on how much I was making, I don't know how we survived. Like looking at it, I was like, man, like this does not match. Now, it, we were at a different season, you know, we, we had just got married, you know, Samuel, we had just had Samuel, we had one kid, we didn't have a house yet. But like looking at the money, it's like, dear Lord, we're going to die. I don't know if you've ever been there. I was there, you know, so, but, but seeing God's faithfulness then, I have no reason to complain now because I've been here and I've been here and I've been here. I've been a lot of different places, but God has always remained faithful and he's remained good. So what, what this passage says, I will praise him. So what I do, I praise him again and again and again. I always remember what he's done. So I choose to praise God before the storm. I choose to praise God in the storm and I will praise God after the storm. Because his faithfulness is going to endure through every season of my life. But I believe it is praise that gets you out. Right? I might as well praise while I'm in the storm. Lord, if I die, I'm going to go down singing. Right? You know, because it's hard. You know, I remember my mom. I don't understand this till you become an adult. She's like, I'm going to laugh so I don't cry. When it gets real bad and it's hard and you don't, you know, I was like, I was like what does that even mean? And then you become an adult. You know, life is hard. It's challenging, but we choose to praise God for who he is. Even when it's not ideal, even when the conditions aren't what we want. But when the storm comes, it will be our remembrance of the times past that God proved himself good and faithful that will get us through the present storm. That'll get us through the place that we're at. It may not feel good. It may not look good in the moment, but remember what God has previously brought you through. It will release the faith necessary to get you through. So trust in God's previous faithfulness in the present situation. Praise God for who he is. It will stir your faith. All right. So this is what helps us um, change your perspective, uh, you know, in in how you see it. Um, Understand this. God knows what he can do, but you need to know what God can do. Like, it's not like God says, I don't know if I can handle that. God can handle all of it. So God knows what he can handle. You have to understand what he wants to handle on your behalf. You have to see it in God's perspective. You have to remember what he's done in the past so that you can can trust him to be faithful in the present. So faithful is who God is. That is part of his nature. He can't change that. He is faithful, okay? So trust in God's faithfulness, not on your own strength. It's not our faith in self that gets us gets us through, but our faith in him that gets us through. Okay. So we need to remember God's past faithfulness. Number four, remember you don't have to understand everything. Now this is hard for a lot of us because we want to understand everything. We want to know why God's doing that or what he's going to do or when he's going to come through and all of these things. But notice that passage says my savior and my God. What this is saying is it's saying, God, you are in charge. 
at the end of the day. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is this happening to me? You ever asked that? You know what? I mean, am I the only one? Right? We, we, like, why is this going on, Lord? Where are you at? Will you wake up and come to my rescue? You, we ask all of these questions, not knowing what we're going through or why we're going through it. But sometimes God will answer us. Sometimes God won't answer us. But when we say, God, you are my Savior and my God, what you're saying is, God, you're in charge and I'm not. This is what I want, but ultimately, God, it's what you want and what you're doing. But I'll tell you what, every hard season I grew. The simple ones, the easy, the convenient ones, there might not always be a lot of growth. But I'll tell you what, those challenging seasons will grow you. God uses those things to grow you. We may not like it and we may not see what he's doing in the moment, but I'll tell you what, after those seasons, you see a lot of things that God did. A lot of things that he grew. Um, you know, I think we have to trust God and we have to know that he's in charge and I'm not. I want to challenge you. Be careful not to blame God for something the devil's doing. A lot of times we'll say, Lord, why did you? And man, the devil's just laughing at you because we're blaming God for something the devil did. But then also, I want to make sure that um, you also aren't blaming God for a consequence of something you brought up on yourself. So the devil's at work and sometimes our own stupidity is at work. Just telling you. There's things that we do that are going to have a natural consequence. There are things that the devil is doing to try to destroy and end our life. But let's make sure we don't get that mixed up and we begin to blame God for the things that the devil's done or we've done to ourselves. Right? Um, we need to pay attention to those things. So the devil's nature is to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and sin, we have to understand that this produces destructive consequences in our life. Uh, you know, when we were little, they always used to say, hey, don't play with matches. Don't play with matches. And now, I mean, there are matches, but a lot of times they're like these safety lighters and all of these things. But, you know, when we play with sin, it's kind of like flicking a match. You ever done that? If you do it, don't do it around burnable. And right now, don't do it anywhere around anything because everything's like crazy dry. You really may burn something down. But we used to put the mat. Are there any little kids in here? Hey, do this with your dad if you're going to do it. <laughs> I was telling you. You know, you put it on the box and you'll flick it and it'll light the match and it'll, you know, it usually burns out. But we have to realize that sin's kind of like that sometimes. We can flick those matches and a lot of times they burn out. But it's the one match that catches everything on fire that doesn't make it that much fun. So we have to realize that every time you play with fire, there's the potential to burn everything up. So we have to realize that in our lives, sometimes it's a consequence of what we've done. Sometimes it's the devil at work, but let's make sure we don't get it mixed up to where we're blaming God for sin or, we're, uh, or the enemy or just our own actions, you know, reaping what we sow. You guys realize that sometimes you get what you get and you can't throw a fit because you did it to yourself? Right? Well, why did God? No, ain't no God about it. That's what you decided to do, Bubba. Right? <laughs> Think about that. So we have to understand those things. But you don't always have to understand when we say, God, you're God. So Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God loves us. He has good things in store for us. And if we know that that is the nature of God, God is trustworthy and we don't have to question what he does, when he does it, why he does it, any of that. We just trust that he's good. Now, I know some of you are still saying, but man, pastor, I sure would like to know. But you have to understand God is working for our good, period. 
but we must remind ourselves of the fact. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways better than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what does this mean? God's ways and thoughts are always better than ours. If we were to combine all of our minds together and come up with the best decision possible, it would still fall short of God's thoughts of God's plan. His plans are always best. So God's ways and thoughts are always better than ours. Um, so I want to encourage you, do it his way. You will get better results. How many of you have done it your way? How'd that go for you? Right? You know, and, and, and you got live, you got live track record to test that theory. You're like, yeah, I remember one time, like we almost all have that story, man. I remember one time, it was a bad move. I thought it was what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't good. And then hopefully you had a but God moment and he kind of got you out of that and he rescued you, got you back on track, right? Um, but God, he, it says he's working all of these things together. He knows what's best. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't mess up. He's right on time. He, he, he's perfect in everything. Everything. God knew that you were going to be here today and maybe you are dealing with discouragement, but his heart is that you leave encouraged. It's not to stay where you're at. It's to get into the next season, but it's to unravel the plans of the enemy. What is it that the enemy is doing right now to keep you trapped, to keep you stuck that you're not seeing? Because the moment that God reveals that to you, you can break free and jump into the next season. And you got to get tired of being discouraged rather than just being comfortable being discouraged. Sometimes God will give you the understanding and sometimes he won't but you have to be okay and trust him regardless. That's what you gotta know. You gotta trust him regardless of what you know and what you don't know, all right? So number one, look inwardly. Number two, look upwardly. Number three, remember God's past faithfulness. Then remember, you don't have to understand anything. And number five, uh, don't give in to bitterness. Now, bitterness is a trap of the enemy. So bitterness can take on many different forms. It can be resentment. It can be anger. It can be hostility. So by definition, uh, the definition of bitterness is an attitude of extended or intense anger and hostility. Hebrews 12, 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, now think about that. See that no bitter root grows up out of you. And it says, now all of us experience trouble, right? We've all experienced trouble, I think, by a measure of bitterness. But notice it says it defiles many. That means made unacceptable. I mean, this is like beyond just trouble. Defiles. It causes them to be not, to be not right, to no longer be in that position. But the grace of God is working in our lives, and it'll allow you the strength to forgive and not hold a grudge, which will often lead to bitterness. Um, you know, bitterness is one of those things that it affects you much more than it affects the other person. How do you know that you're holding a grudge? How do you know you're offended? Um, now, I often tell people, when somebody has problems with everybody... And they're like, well, I was talking to this person and da, da 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 they did this and this person did this. And, you know, and like five or six people are the problem. I often say, hey, well, you're the only one that's the common denominator in this equation. Now, I know there's some difficult, challenging people out there, but if everybody is the problem, you might be the problem. 
right? So we got to look internally. We got to understand what are we dealing with? Where's my heart at? Am I being bitter? Because we have to understand that bitterness is not going to just affect one relationship. It's going to affect all your relationships. It's not going to affect, it's going to affect how you respond in a lot of different ways. This is what bitterness does. It comes inside and it begins to affect all of our relationships and our responses to pressure. Um, how many of you have ever been high pressure or you've been in a high stress moment and you responded like a fool, right? Responded incorrectly, snipped at your wife and got mad and you're like, oh, what's going on? Like, man, it just comes out, right? When we, when we don't deal with those internal things. But bitterness, it's, it's a wicked seed that if it's allowed to grow, it causes trouble and it can actually defile many, according to this passage in Hebrews. Romans 8, 31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? So we go back to focusing on our understanding that God is on our side and he's fighting for us. I want to talk about offense and bitterness just a little bit more. Um, a lot of times we don't really know we're offended, but we can see we're offended by our actions and our thoughts. What do I mean by that? Um, if you say, hey, well, I'm not, this person really wronged me. I'm not offended anymore with them. I, okay. Here's how you measure if you are still offended. <laughs> when you think about the person offending, that has offended you, when you look at them and the first thing you think about is that offense, guess what? You are still offended. That, that is called walking in offense. And just because you've been offended in that area, what it does, it makes you easily offended in other relationships. If I'm not quick to forgive, if I'm not quick to, I mean, it's hard to forget, but, but the choice of choosing to forgive can be immediate. I can choose to forgive you even though I don't feel like it and like you don't even deserve it right now, but I can choose forgiveness initially but then I got to work through that process emotionally and mentally and all of these things because based on the severity of the wound, it might take me a little bit longer to heal. But if I allow that seed of, of, of bitterness and discouragement and unforgiveness to really grow in my heart, it will affect every area of my life. And it's going to lead to being discouraged in a lot of other areas. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be short. I'm going to be mad. And it's going to be like, what's wrong with you? I don't even know. Right? Because we thought it was this person, but this person hasn't done anything wrong. We have to go back to where we were offended. We have to go back to those things that God reveals. Because those things that God reveals, he wants to heal. He wants to work through those areas of our life. You know, a lot of times I hear people say, man, well, if they would, maybe if you would, right? You know, that's what it all comes down to. Like one of the biggest things we can do to, to strengthen a relationship is deal with your own junk. Deal with your own heart. Deal with your own problems. Like we're so worried about changing the other person. You can't change the other person. The only person you have control of is you. So we want to deal with those things. We want to ask God to help us with those things. We, we want him to, to reveal those things to us so that we can walk and be full of encouragement versus full of discouragement. Matthew 6, 12, it says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. It's, it's those who have others who have sinned against us. We forgive them, and God also forgives our sin. Now, I know that um, one of the best ways that I always get to a place of being quick to forgive, first and foremost, I've been forgiven a lot. 
in my own life. So who am I to withhold forgiveness from somebody else? Um, But the moment I want to judge somebody or I want to withhold that forgiveness, one of the things that I always think about is how can I withhold forgiveness from others when God has forgiven me of so much? Who am I to judge? Like, you know, like think about that, you know, um, you say, you know, the passage says, forgive others so that you might also be forgiven. So then you invert that passage. And if you don't forgive them, then perhaps Father God won't forgive you. Right? If forgiveness is required to receive forgiveness, then perhaps unforgiveness could also breed unforgiveness. You know, I think God really, really wants to deal with the heart issues. He wants to deal with the things in our life, and he wants to rescue you today out of your discouragement, and he wants, to leave, he wants you to leave this place encouraged, full of life, full of hope, expecting God for a next great season in your life. Um, I think right now you know where you're at. Been talking about this long enough now where, like, if there's some things that God's wanting to deal with, you already know what those are. But it's going to be up to you with what you do with those things, what you do with those hurts, what you do with those wounds. I'm not asking you to justify them. I'm not asking you to forget those things. But I am asking you to begin to forgive and release those things. Because that could be the one thing that has you stuck. But whatever it is that God reveals, let him work through. I'm not sure how you came in today, but I know that you can leave different. I'm going to close with these two passages of scripture, and I really want these passages to minister to you. Um, and then I'm going to pray over you, but we have prayer teams available this morning. And um, right now, if you'd be bold and you'd be courageous, you say, you know what, pastor, I am in a season of discouragement and I need help out of that. Can you just lift your hand real high and put it back down for me? You're really walking through discouragement. Okay, I see you. You got to leave your hand up. God sees it. One thing about our prayer teams is they're just going to walk you through it. They're going to encourage you. It's going to be like that four-wheel drive truck that showed up and came to your rescue. But this is something that you need help with. And I believe these are the things that God has built the church for, that people can come alongside of us. We can be honest. We can be vulnerable. If you're stuck, say you're stuck. Oh, I ain't stuck. I'll get out eventually. Good luck. Look at these two passages real quick. Isaiah 41.10. It says, And so, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed or do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my mighty, right, righteous right hand. So let me break down just those key things. God says, first, fear not. And then he says, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will, up, I will help you and I will uphold you. Notice that whole passage is full of what God does, not what you do. So we just have to surrender to that. Psalm 62, 5 and 8, it says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Verse 6, it says, Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. I will trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Let me help you with that one. It says, first and foremost, find rest in God. Hope 
comes from him. The passage says, truly, what he's saying there is like, I'm not lying about this. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Can you stand up with me? Um, man, I hope today that you sense God doing something in your heart if you're discouraged today. That there's this glimmer of hope leading into this encouraged new season of your life. But prayer team, you can go ahead and come on forward. But, but um, this morning... I'm going to pray over you, then I'm going to release you. And if you want prayer, I'm encouraging you. Or if you're discouraged, come forward. Let these guys pray for you. What's the worst that could happen? Huh. You get unstuck today. Right? But that turns into something really great because you leave changed. So don't miss what God is doing. Be sensitive. If he's already done a work and you feel like he's released you to do that, praise God. If he's saying, hey, you need to go up there. Don't get in a hurry. I want to do something a little more intimate in your life. I want you to learn to walk with a few people in your life. Just be obedient to that. If you're wanting prayer this morning, as I begin to pray, go ahead and come on forward. You don't have to wait. You know if it's you and if you're kind of nervous, you're like, oh, I don't know if I should go. Just do it, right? Perhaps you'll leave change. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. And God, I thank you that you are bigger than all of our seasons of discouragement. God, that you are a God of hope and restoration and new life and second chances. And Father, I thank you, God, that you are pulling people out of a season of discouragement today. And Father, you are moving them into a place of encouragement. Father, I thank you, God, that those things that you're showing us that you see, that you're going to deal with those things and you're going to help us get through those things. So Father, we trust you. We depend on you to work in those areas of our life. Father, I pray that we would uh, leave this place changed and encouraged. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, seen and unseen. And Father, I thank you uh, for those who are in a season of discouragement but are leaving that season of discouragement behind and moving into a season of encouragement with fresh hope and restoration and life. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Father, we count it an honor and a privilege to be called your sons and daughters. Father, where would we be without you? Father, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.